Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse 8 and Kate will break it down for you now. Hello, Kate. How are you today? <laughs> you guys are missing it. She's got jazz hands. And... That's not jazz. That's a hand, and it is facing forward. Therefore, it has failed as a jazz hand. You have one jazz hand. I, I have that's... one. Okay, now it's a jazz hand. <laughs> Hello, Kate. How are you today? <laughs> it's your line. I was gonna do something jazz. Oh, okay. That that would be good. Yeah. But then I interrupted you by yeah. saying it was your line. We'll work on it. We'll work on it. <laughs> uh, welcome, everybody, uh, to Fuse 8 and Kate. I'm your host, Betsy Bird. I'm Kate. Nice. I like how that's now our thing. We have a thing. We have that's a thing? Sweet. That's our thing. I say my full name, and you just say Kate, and it's cute. Oh, okay. It's a nice thing. Good. And it's almost your birthday. Yeah! Happy early birthday. Thanks. I, I really enjoy celebrating 21 again. You know, mm. it's these useful. Useful um, looks of mine. Well, hey, that makes you like what twenty seven? Oh, I like that. Play. See, happy right? twenty one. Thank you. <laughs> I'm just going to enjoy <laughs> this twenty seven year old body over here that has no tummy whatsoever and uh, significantly smaller thighs. Yeah. So, yay that. Birthdays all around. Birthdays all. Birthdays for everyone. And you get a birthday. And you get a birthday. Birthdays on the house. <laughs> Um, so, uh, what, what, why are we here? Ah, to discuss the finer things in life. Oh, and what are those? Uh, well, I guess some would say children's literature. Those, those someones would be me. Ah, yes. Yes! And, uh, specifically picture books, because we don't do, we don't do chapter books. No, but when last week's be an easy book, Yes, we did, well, okay, so yes, so we were fudging. It is possible we may do a board book, yeah. which is another fudge. So, right, children's books. So, is the, like the, the, the for the youngest term. readers, all right, let's say that. Right. Children's books for the youngest readers. Children. Yes. <laughs> and and we want to, them to read good ones, um, and parents often will give them books that they think are classics, uh, or that they are told are good, and then we, you and I, determine if they should. And we say, no, it's crap. It's crap. If it's not good, it's crap. If it's Scottish, it's grand. Um, note to self, think of Scottish picture book next time one says that. Okay. Feedback. We got some feedback, oh. but not through our email system. Um, <laughs> prove me wrong and email us anytime you want with feedback uh, to fusegate at gmail.com. But what people find more convenient is, uh, is the Twitter. Ah. Uh, much, much with the twittering they are to me because you are not on no. the Twitter. No. Uh, so they do it to me. I th- assume they download this podcast from iTunes as one would, or and, SoundCloud, or SoundCloud, or but not Stitcher because I can't figure out how to make that work. Uh-uh. So um, I will eventually. And, uh, yep, so they download the thing, and then they think to themselves, I would, I disagree with what Betsy just said, and then they tweet me. 
Uh, <laughs> not necessarily in that order. So I had been promoting our last book, which was Are You My Mother? As, uh, as one of our sadder podcasts. Now, when I said this, what I meant was, in the course of things, we cover many sad things in that podcast. Yeah. Not necessarily the book itself, though you could make an argument for it. But anyway, a lot of people took that to be, this book is sad. Uh-huh. And, uh, and they did not... Uh, so this wasn't a problem necessarily with the podcast. It was a problem with me and how I was promoting the podcast. So, I can't get nothing right. Um, anyway, two different listeners came back. Uh, they were not buddies, as far as I can tell. Just ran two random people. And they said that Are You My Mother is about uh, the single working mom experience. Think about it. She's She's got to get food for her baby. She's got to go out. She's a single mom. She doesn't have a lot of resources. Yeah. Baby technically should be fine in that nest. To her credit, there is no reason. What idiot baby would just, like, walk out of a nest and plummet to his possible death? Yeah. Uh, looking for someone who clearly is going to be coming back at some point. So... So that was that was their interpretation. I was like, all right, fair play there. Fair play there. I have never read the book that way. And then there was uh, reader Sarah O'Leary. I love, I love Sarah O'Leary. She wrote this to me. This is the ultimate parenting book for me. I had days where I was all, you are my little bird and I love you. And then there were the days where the words that came out of my mouth were, I'm not your mother, I'm a snort. <laughs> so... I think I'm not your mother, I'm a snort, would make a fine t-shirt. I was going to say bumper sticker. Yeah, bumper sticker's good, too. We should make a line of t-shirts uh, all related to these various books. Are we going to get sued? Uh, no, because we'll say things like, uh, read the last page, or stuff like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. And no, you can't now, because we could claim the snort thing was, like, something else entirely. Like, it's about cocaine, so it's totally cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, see? It's not your mother, I'm sorry. <laughs> It's fine. And that's what this podcast is all about. Cocaine. <laughs> what is it? We are not going to say. Oh, and I have an answer to the quiz question last week, because I don't do that all the time. Sometimes I just assume listeners uh, know these things, and I don't follow it up. Uh, so uh, what does the P and the D stand for in P.D. Eastman? I'm sorry if you expected it to be something exciting. It's not. It's a Philip Day. Uh, yes, it's Philip Day, uh, and if you had someone who uh, was going to play him in the film of his life, it would be uh, Stanley Tucci. That was not part of the quiz question. That's just true. <laughs> and if you were going to have someone to play today's author of today's book, uh, I believe you would go with Sutton Foster. So yes, so we have a book today. Right. And so here, okay, so here's how I determined this week's book. Uh-huh. So you've gotten a lot of Caldecott honors. you got a lot of silvers, but you've never had... Gold! 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 I want gold! And yes, I did quote the third Austin Powers movie. Thank you very much. Gold! So I had noticed one other problem with some of the books we've been doing. Um, and it took me a while to figure this one out. So we've got all these these lovely books, and um, and they all, almost all but one, had something in common. Now, the one exception to this is Heather Has Two Mommies. But every single picture book we've done... Uh, has something in common. Can you guess what it is? They're in color. Uh, are they? Aren't they? <laughs> oh, maybe. Yes, but that's true, actually. That is true. Uh, they are all in color. But they have something else in common, too. What? Okay. I, I got nothing. They're all by dudes. The illustrations are. 
the art in every single book we've done, except for Heather thought, Has Two Mommies. I thought um, the Tiki Tiki Tambo was by a woman. It was written by a woman. Yeah. But Blair Lent did the, did the art. Okay. Yeah, so... All the books we've done have been illustrated by men. Yeah, and this is actually a huge point of contention when it comes to the Caldecott Award, the great award for pictures in picture books, um, is that it goes to too many men. And in the, I have actually kind of poo-pooed that in the past, been like, you silly people, I see tons of women who do hard, don't know what you're talking about. Besides, the Newberry always, always goes to women. Okay, A, that's not true, and B, that's also not true. Um, it does mostly go to men, and I know this because today I thought, oh, I'm going to get two birds with one stone. I'm going to do a Caldecott Gold, that's a classic that a lot of people know, written by a woman. And illustrated by a woman. And, yeah, and illustrated by a woman. Yeah. Right, that's what I meant. So that sh turned out to be shockingly difficult. It's not that women haven't done them. It's just that nobody remembers them. Getting the Caldecott apparently does not mean that you are remembered by the general public Till your end of days. Yeah, I think we've proven that almost uh, over there. That's right. <sighs> Every episode that I... Even well, if you get an honor... Honors are different. You don't expect an honor to be memorable. But a gold, you know, it's going to be in print till, till forever, in theory. And yet, and yet, and yet, and yet. Fun fact, it was hard. However, I found one that I can guarantee you've never heard of or seen of or anything, but, but, says I, but, it came in on my poll that I did at number 32, which is shockingly high considering it came in higher than Are You My Mother, which you've at least seen the cover of. Mm -hmm. All right, so I'm, I'm going to pull it out now. Drum roll, please. <laughs> What is the book, Kate? The hell? <laughs> no, oh, I'm sorry. Wrong. It's pronounced uh, The Little House. Yes. By Virginia Lee Burton. Virginia Lee Burton is who wrote the book. And the book is the one that you are going to read. Yes. I found it. Um, Fun fact, though, I don't believe there... Oh, there it is. Yes, there's a gold, gold, gold sticker. A shiny gold sticker on the cover. You've never seen before. It's a guy racing on a horse. Yeah, it is. With like children chasing him. Yep. And he's cha and I think there's a goose in there somewhere. Yeah, there's two. Two geese. That's a, that's a thing. Yeah, that's totally a thing. Three. There's three. There's three geese. There's three geese. Okay, I would have like lost. And a dog. The... Yeah, a dog makes sense. Dog. Dog. Story checks out. Dog. Yes. Okay. Good. I knew there was at least one goose. Okay. Should I tell you the story behind that picture? Sure. Okay, story behind the picture. Randolph Caldecott. Uh, fun fact, if you ever want to see a music video of Randolph Caldecott that Kate and I made together years ago. Oh, we did. Oh, we did. Do you remember this? Barely. We made a music video together um, because there was a band called the F&Gs. Um, that's a joke for the publishing people out there. E-F-F-I-N apostrophe G's. Ha ha. <laughs> and, uh, you don't get it. Nope. Um, that's okay. And, uh, the song is Randolph Caldecott. If you just go to YouTube and put it in, you can see Kate and I. Um, at least you can see Kate's feet, um, in high heels. Uh, stepping oh, on a book. Okay. Remember? Okay, it's oh, all yeah. coming back to yeah. you. And I think your cat sniffs the book at one point. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, Randolph Caldecott, um... He was, was kind of the first guy, like, children's picture books. There were some, and they had pictures, and they were all very stiff 
and very like formal. And then his books come out and it shows like crazy stuff happen, like people riding you know horses down streets and the gays are going crazy. Like he had a lot of energy, a lot of uh power uh behind his motions, and uh, so they named uh, an illustrator award after him. And he had a lovely beard. So you need to take that book with its gold shiny sticker. And you need to read that book. Here we go. And I'll wait right here. Okay, so we have a quiz question while Kate is reading the book. Uh, as per usual, the reward is having your name read on this podcast. Possibly mispronounced by me, so that's fun. Um, here's your quiz question of the week. Just prior to this book, The Little House, Virginia Lee Burton attempted a book that was ahead of its time. Um, it was a book that the great children's literature scholar Leonard Marcus would go on to describe in his book Minders of Make-Believe as, quote, a gallant though futile gesture, unquote. What was the book and why was it ahead of its time? If you know the answer, just email us at fusekdate at gmail.com. And we're back. Hi. Hi. You read a very long book. Yes. I forgot how long it was. You read it, and uh, and yet the people listening to this podcast have not read it. Oh, and nice. it would be awfully nice if they could get a sense of it. And just to help you out, I didn't make the font any bigger, and the <laughs> light is dim in here, so you're going to have fun with this one. And finally, at long last, I want you to do it with an Irish accent, which is shockingly similar to the pirate accent of last week. But I love a good Irish accent. I'm going to apologize in advance. A little house was built in the country. The man who built her decided that the house, special as it was, could never be bought and sold. Instead, he planned on leaving it to his children, his children's children, and his children's children's children. The house was pleased with the arrangement. It watched the seasons go boy. It watched the children that played in it grow up and move away. This was all well and good until a new asphalt road appeared. Suddenly, it was much easier for people to reach the area in which the little house lived. Things got faster, and suddenly the little house was surrounded by tenement houses. There were trolley cars. Next came elevated trains and subways, and worst of all, gigantic skyscrapers on either side of the now seriously dilapidated little house. One day, a descendant of the original owner saw the house and inquired after it. Since it turned out she owned it, the house was picked up by movers and taken to the country she loved so much. Happy house. Happy family, Slancha. <laughs> Excellent. Well done. Thank you very much. Uh, so what do you think? I have lots of opinions. Okay. Let's hear them. Um, first of all, regarding the illustrations, mm. I think it's cute that the illustrations show the house smiling and then progressively getting sadder <laughs> and sadder. And it starts off... Having a smile. It does. And then once it gets to uh, the the city building up all around. Industry. You, you can see it's got a very, very it's sad not, face. It's not pleased, but it's, it's, it's anthropomorphized, but not, like, there's no eyelashes necessarily. It's just, I'm not sure what the, those irises are supposed to be, but. The, the curtains. They're curtains. Yeah. Also, I'm not sure I'd want my steps to be quite as rounded. Well, that's, uh, that's showing the smile right, of the house. Right, that's the smile. And then it progressively gets flat, mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. it gets 
curved, mm-hmm. and and it's and I thought that was very clever of the illustrator to choose to show the emotions of the house progressively throughout the book. True, and this has been redone over the years by many other artists. Most recently, I would say Adam Rex's school's day first day of school, which Christian Robinson uh, did the art for, in which the door of the school also had a kind of a smile step thing going on. But, uh, first of all, mm. this house would not have lasted in its shape with skyscrapers building, being built up all around it. They would have Well, poured... today it wouldn't have, but they... if we're talking about a time, like, if, if someone definitely owned it and they weren't giving up the rights, I mean, isn't it like the house in Up? Haven't you seen Up? Remember uh, up? Just the first four minutes. That's all I've really well, you, seen. Literally, it's like minute <laughs> six. So you did. Oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just. You don't was, think this is a realistic depiction of urbanization of our suburbs? Uh, I I can see where it's going. I just don't mm. think the house would have lasted as long as it did. All right, fair fair play. Um, but I do like, and it's on this page where they start building the streets all around it. Yeah. There's an old man like visiting the house and I feel like that's the man who built the house going back. I have never seen that man before a day of my life. Yeah, I think he's going back to like visit the house one last time before it all gets like you know. Boy, that sure is what it looks like. But I mean, like, it's not like a road is like the end of a house's life normally. I mean, well, maybe he sees the end coming and he's saying goodbye. Well, or he's going to die. Well, yeah, it's the he end could, for him. It's the end for him. <laughs> yeah, the house is still going strong by the end of the book, technically. But yeah, but that is interesting. But here's here's my little qualm. I, we live in a big city. We do. And well, you do. I do. I live in the suburbs of your big city. Yes. Yes. I live in a big city. Mm. Um, I've lived in other big cities. Sure. Um, Me too. And I feel like this book is kind of poo-pooing big cities. Oh, yes. It makes it sound like all people do is run around. They're super... People were moving faster and faster. Um, they hurried by without a glance. Like, people are too busy to notice we city folk don't care about anyone except ourselves, and we just got to get from point A to point B without anyone getting in our way. And that's not that's not true. I think there's a lot that big it cities... It is a very idealized view of, let's say, country living versus city living. Yeah. I think there's... Well, let's look at it in the context and... of its times. I mean, 1942, okay, so traditionally Americans were farmers... And then they all started becoming far more urbanized. And, of course, now today, most people live in cities rather than the country. Um, so it is. this is sort of that, it's uh, almost a rejection, one might say, of that that looming urbanization uh, that the country's about to go through. Now, it came out in 1942. Um, so World War II, not really a factor here. It's What do you mean it's not a factor? In this book? Does it come Oh, not not in this book. No, no. No. I mean, mean, you don't see, like, and then the troops went off to war, and the house was sad. You know, that's not a... It's not an overtly political book, unless you are counting its take on... I mean, because they're starting in the 1910s. Yeah, well, and it's making little Levittowns. Like, you can see this little Levittown, like, kind of, like, rolling up around it. Yeah, and it's, it's absolutely fascinating in a lot of ways, because... Yeah, it, it's not seen urbanization as a good thing, whereas I feel like in the 50s, urbanization was seen as, like, 
awesome. Like, cities are great and factories are amazing and we are all going to, you know, well, we're all going to live in the suburbs, but, you know, so maybe that's, maybe that's why this book has been remembered because all these families were like, we live in the suburbs. We don't live in the city. We work in the city, but we live in the suburbs. So this book is great because it shows where we live is great. Mm. Could be. I don't know. I and I don't think anyone's ever written down the history of why this book is even popular. I mean, there's pros and cons to living in the country and living in the city, but sure. I feel like because of the plot of this book, mm-hmm. it just shows city, bad, country, good. Yeah. The end. I would agree. <laughs> um, yeah, because you can see it renders the country, and here's fall and the beautiful fall colors. Here's winter and the beautiful clean, unblemished snow. Oh, I do like, though, that they teach you about uh, the the schedule of the moon and they show they on a calendar the the phases of a moon i mean we're wow you never you never saw that i mean you're you're learning about the phases of the moon while enjoying a children's book oh yeah. that's really pretty and it's got a little purple sky there and everything it's a very yeah it's a very pretty i mean it's amazing how many colors they worked in considering at the time you were not really able to work that many colors into a children's book um, and the spring looks gorgeous too, see? So when you compare it to the city, which is industrial and gray and brown, I mean, gray and brown are the primary, yeah, there we go. The, 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 the trains get to be green and things like that. But now think of it this way though, for some kids, these would have been the most exciting parts for the kids who love trucks, who love construction equipment and building and all this stuff. So, you know, she's, doing what she can with this miserable little house. But at the same time, I can definitely see some kids being like, there's trains! There's an elevated train right there! I mean, this could easily be Chicago with that little elevated train right there. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah, you're supposed to be team tiny house. You wouldn't be surprised if you got to the end of the book and they're like, and then it finally collapsed all together and all is well. (laughs) Well, and then, you know, and then somebody picks it up and moves it into... Well, yes, the family, the great, great, the great, great, great. grand-granddaughter. Yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, all it's missing is a white picket fence at the end. This is true. It is actually shockingly absent. And here's my question, though: Can anyone read this book and not think, "Okay, it's here for now"? How long before? Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. Yeah. I was like, "Great, it's going to be here." It's, for... I mean, I don't think there's a single kid who would read this and not be like, "And." Now, it's, well, how many days does it have left? I think if we judge by when the original owner visited the house, when the street was being built, that was probably a good, like, 40 years, Easily, easily. Based on when he built it to when he was mm-hmm. old. And so I'd say we got, yeah, about 40 years here. Yeah. For, yeah, uh, for plus or minus. Yeah. It could luck out and just find itself in a field of oh. mansions after this. Let so. me tell you, my favorite character, though, in this entire book. Oh, I am terrified. Why am I so terrified? My heart... Is now, what? I didn't even to, to tell you this. Okay. I didn't even look at the last page. I don't even know if I didn't um, hear oh, look, there's the last right. page. Oh, it's not go. that interesting. No, oh, my favorite, my favorite character. Whew. Yes, it's a sassy son. What sassy son? That sassy son. Oh, I thought you meant like the son of the. I have never seen that. Wow, it's like a um, it's my, like a cartoon character. Wait, wait, it's in the very. Wait, begin- is it on the cover? It is on the cover. Uh, well, no, but hold on. In the very beginning of the book. 
Oh, yeah. You get all the different phases of the sun. Check out the sassy sun. And every, everybody's like... He's like like, smirking. Hmm? Mm -hmm. Whoopee? Oh, hey. Oh, I'm tired. Hey, Hey, baby. Hey, baby. (laughs) Hey, baby. Okay, that sassy sun is awesome. Love me some sassy sun. So if you had to get a tattoo from this book, you would choose the sassy sun. Hell yeah. You could have that like <laughs> that whole pattern right there on your back, that little arc. Or just have it like go around your arm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like a band. And then you'd walk down the street and people would be like, Virginia Lee Burton, you'd be like, Hell yeah and they'd be Sassy like, song. I'm down with that. <laughs> I get that reference. So yeah, if ever you need to do some of those like press on tattoos or something, just have an armband with the sassy sun. Well, and that might come up because there's a new book out this year. And I brought it here to show you. So there's a new book about Virginia Lee Burton. It's called Big Machines, A Story of Virginia Lee Burton by Sherry Dusky Rinker, illustrated by John Rocco. How Mike Mulligan's Steam Shovel and Friends Came to Life. So Mike Mulligan's Steam Shovel. One would think this would have been the book I would have brought in because it is technically her best-known book. Um, To the point at which... A little old book uh, by the name of 100 Best Books for Children by Anita Sylvie said of Virginia Lee Burton that her, quote, greatest contribution to the American landscape remains the saga of Marianne and Mike Mulligan, unquote. And yet, and yet, ladies and gentlemen, and yet, I would say unto you that this little house came on my poll at 32, much higher than Are You My Mother from last week, and much, much higher than Mike Mulligan. Uh, So no, I deny all that. So anyway, in this little book, though, Big Machines, you can see on the back of the book, Uh there's a lovely reproduction of the little house. And uh, yes, and so it goes through her entire life um, talking Uh about all her books and sort of showing them. And so there is, you know, if this book were to win a Caldecott... Um, Is there a sassy son? Okay, so here's the moment of truth then. Come on, Did John Rocco think to put in a sassy son? By the way... Come on, Johnny boy. I'm just going to point out, she was... um, Boy, that's super realistic. She was a dancer um, before she was a children's illustrator. Come on, I'm not seeing any sons here. Yes, so she was a dancer. Um, so this is why I said she'd be played by Sutton Foster. Ah. Um, in fact, I don't even think that he necessarily does her justice because they have photographs of her in the back. And as you can see, uh-huh. she was quite the lovely lady. Yeah. Just a lovely lady. Not that you have to be a lovely lady to be an illustrator. Um, no, we are sans sassy son. Not a sassy son to be seen. Uh, Mr. Rocco, I am scene. not happy. Yes. <laughs> However, lots of little house, though. This book is chock full of little house. But she's not still alive. Oh, she's dead as a doornail. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> as one would assume, yeah. Um, book won a award in 1943. It beat these horrendously famous books. Dash and Dart by Marion Conrad Buff. We all remember the adventures of Dash... And Dart. Oh, I love Dart. Aren't they great? Yo, I'm man. Team Dash myself. I'm Team Dart. Yeah, that's always our problem. <laughs> and, uh, however, extra points for the creators, Marianne Conrad Buff. That's, that's, a. am giving an okay sign to that one. That's mm. great. And Marshmallow by Claire Turley New- Newberry. I actually know that book because they reprinted it, so that's unfair. But, um, yeah, not, 
not really uh, remembered now. Eh. Now I say unto you, I'm going to draw into your past, reach deep down into it, and pull out a name. Mm-hmm. And we'll see if you recognize this name. This is a this was a very important name from your childhood. Okay? okay, it was very important in many ways for you. You may not even remember, but I remember because I am older than you. Does the name Sterling Holloway mean anything nope. to you? Nope. All right, I'll just put it this way: Sterling Holloway was the voice of Winnie the Pooh. Aww. Now, for a little while there, Sterling Holloway was Disney's favorite dude. Yeah. Every they did a ton of like little short animated films and he would always do the voices like constantly for these little short films and for a while there disney was really interested in picture books he did an animated version of ferdinand the bull Hmm. and he did an animated version of the little house i kid you not and it was narrated by sterling holloway and this was in 1952 so roughly 10 years after it was published and let me tell you the scary uh, city has nothing on the scary city of... I mean, because they anthropomorphized the city as well. And they're sneering, horrible, megalomaniacal... Um, but there's a happy ending. The, the, house, the house gets away from it all. Right. So, yay, houses that don't have legs. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all I've got. So, yeah. So, it's long. Much People complain that picture books today are not long like they used to be like this was a normal length for a picture book oh um you of course didn't have to read that to a small child well i was thinking now. if you read that to a kid at bedtime they would probably be asleep by the end right i don't think my children have ever fallen asleep i don't know a single story time kids, a day in my so life and also yeah I, so my son plucked it out of my bag as per usual uh-huh. um and wanted it to be read to him and then for whatever reason changed his mind on that one. I didn't even get a word out. And then he was like, nope, let's do <laughs> Elephants Cannot Dance by Mo Willems. And I was like, that, okay. So I never got a chance to read it to my son, who was three, and I think too young. So they're like, okay, kids, we're going to talk about the slow, poisonous nature of urbanization. <laughs> Go. Um, Good night. <laughs> but I think my six-year-old might have gotten something out of it, but uh, but I didn't, I didn't make a, a solid attempt. I think I will tomorrow. Um, but yeah, if, okay, so let's do ratings. Ratings. Well, I don't like how she poo-poos big cities Mm -hmm. because I'm biased. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not all bad. No, no, no. I think you can appreciate the country and you can appreciate the city. And it's got a sassy song. Oh my gosh, I love that. Wait, 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 what's on the very back of the book? Oh! A big sassy sunflower. That's a big sassy sunflower. Well, it's a daisy. It's a daisy. Oh, well, you're right. That's a daisy. But the pun remains. But it's easier to say sassy sunflower. And check it out. It's got, like, end papers where it's, like, horses and carriages. And then, oh, it's got a penny farthing. (laughs) I love penny farthings. I'm such a sucker for them. But then, like, the technology starts to change. And everything starts to get more and more. And then it ends and you don't know what's... Oh, except there's a horse in a truck. Riding like a dog with a head out the top. <laughs> That's, That's sweet. <laughs> so you gotta tell me this has got this has got some merit to it. Um, yeah. I mean, I other than you know the 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 poo pooing of uh, mm. big cities. Um, I mean, I, I I get where she was going with this. I get the time period that it was written in. 
Um, I do appreciate the details in the uh, in the in the drawings. Mm. Um, I like the the subtle little things that she puts in there from you know the the changing of the people's especially the women's clothing from like throughout yeah. the book it 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 gets more modern um, so it's little things like that that I can appreciate so I as far as it being a classic me I would give it maybe a seven. Oh wow that's high yeah and um, I'm uh, all right. I, I, I like, um, I, uh, well, I like that it was written by a woman. I like the subtle illustrations throughout. Um, I like that you get to learn about the phases of the moon. I love me some sassy sun. Um, <laughs> the sassy sun will go the far away. And I like that it's, a, it's kind of teaching you history, too, about yeah. this is how America, you know, grew up. Yep, it's got dump trucks. Yep, so my kid would be on board. I, uh, I'm gonna go lower than you, oh. which is interesting. Um, and this is probably why I, I have a tendency, and it's an unhealthy tendency in myself, to pit things against other things when there is no reason to do so. So I love Mike Mulligan's Steam Shovel which is also by Virginia Lee Burton. And I like it more than The Little House. And it, But you've got to judge this by itself. All right. You so, can't compare it so to... Because I can't forget, compare it. All right, fine. So. I'm going to forget, even though Marianne is down there staring at me. I'm going to forget she exists. And if, But if I'm going to put it on its own merits, it's good. And it... All right, so here's the problem. Uh, the text is great. Mm-hmm. But it is long... And it could have been edited down, which is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Why in 1943 didn't they edit this down more? Uh, 1942, forgive me. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, Emotionally, it doesn't grab me. It teaches me. you about seasons. Oh, absolutely it does. It teaches does. you about history. And moon phases. And moon phases. Yeah, and no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not a classic. I'm definitely saying it's a classic. But where you put it at, what'd you put it at? Seven? Yeah. I'm going to put it at six. Okay. I'm going to put it at six. Um, not as low as Are You My Mother, which I feel does, it, you know, artistically does not compare and, uh, and let's say spiritually doesn't compare. Can I change it? Can yeah. Can I change mine? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say 6.5. Okay. All right. That's yeah. fair. So yes, definitely a classic, but not my top, not my top classic. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like my five is my I don't hate it, I don't love it, mm-hmm. so I want to go a little higher. Yeah. Than that. Um, yeah, I think it's a fair good book. I would love to predict how remembered it will be in the future, and I fear for its future because I feel I feel like the people who remember it now, if they don't do a good job of introducing it to kids, it is going to be forgotten. Yeah. Um, because it is a it is I wouldn't call it a relic. But it is definitely of its time. Um, it's a history book. It is a history book. It, this is this is America, the America apparently of white people because there's not a single person of color in this book. But um, there is a naked person. Where's the naked person? I'm just gonna. I'm just Wait, gonna, I'm just gonna. No, let you, not fair. Yeah, this is the Where's Waldo. Oh now man. Now just gotta. Now everyone can. There's a naked person in this book. Yeah. 
What the heck? Is it in the high rise? I'm not gonna tell you. Is it on the subway? I'm not gonna tell you. That is so cruel. <laughs> it's just like a streaker just like running down the street. Yeah, like, I'm not gonna tell you. Man. This is what I get for not reading my own books very closely. Okay. That is so weird. Okay. <laughs> well, shoot, now I want to make my score a little higher. <laughs> no, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it at six. That's okay. Six it is. So you're, you're a strong little house. We, we respect your existence. All right. And now it's time for grown-up things we like. Grown-up things we like. You want to go first this time? Sure. Cool. So... For the past couple months, I have been doing a 12-point to-do list for myself. Woo! And it's not easy, Is but, it? okay. um, but I, I've been doing it, and I like it, mm -hmm. and I am going to encourage others to do it. Maybe not all 12 points, but maybe take some of these and do them uh, every month for yourself. That's nice. So... Um, because I feel like, you know, at New Year's is the time when people make resolutions to, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. No, try doing it in August mm -hmm. and then actually see how committed you are. And if you can do it for a few months, then come New Year's, your resolution can be, I'm just going to keep this up. <laughs> so should we put your, your 12 points on our show notes? Sure. All right, so we're going to post these and people can read the show notes uh, and they can see the 12 points for themselves. Do you want me to read them? Yeah, read them. Uh, volunteer. Mm -hmm. uh, give one gift. Mm -hmm. Read a book. Mm -hmm. uh, work out. Mm -hmm. Take a class. Mm -hmm. Try one new food. Ooh. Have Do you done that one yet? Uh, not this month. Okay. Last month I did uni, which is sea urchin. Yes, I know. It's in, uh, It's well, it was in a picture book from Faden last year. But yes, go on. Mm. Uh, do something scary. And it doesn't have to be scary, ah, but scary maybe just out of I your... I thought you meant just, like, jump out of the bushes at somebody. Nah, like, out of your comfort zone. Oh, I see. Uh, go That's to... out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Uh, go to one new place. Mm -hmm. uh, call or go out with an old friend. Mm -hmm. uh, go to, and I put, you know, some, if, if you meditate or if you go to church or temple, what have you. Um, cook one new recipe and then save X amount of dollars a month. Oh, wow. So there you go. That's very nice. So uh, And you do all those each month? I do. That would keep you very busy. Yes. Yeah, I did my, my new class yesterday, and mm -hmm. then I volunteered a couple days ago. Can you combine them? Like, can the scary thing also be the new class? Um, I don't. Okay. But you, you can do but whatever the heck you want. So oh, I'm not, doing I did, one of the, I'm not doing any of this. I did I'm two just curious. scary yeah. things last month. So, oh, can does that does that build up? Because you, do you now? No. Can you not do a scary thing? No, next? I have to do a scary thing this oh. month. Yeah. Okay. What were your two scary things? I went to the Sears Tower and I stood on the glass. I want to do that. It's terrifying. I know. I want to do that. And then in Toronto, they have a very similar thing in the CN Building, and um, except it's much bigger, and there were children jumping up and down. And I was not happy, but I walked across it, and it's also a giant glass floor that you can walk on. So yeah. awesome! Yeah, those are really good. Thanks. All right, we'll put we'll post those up on our show notes here. Uh, I'm cheating this week. I'm doing two, huh? but they're short, so it shouldn't be too much. First of all, um, grown up things I like. Well, this is a, I definitely do not like 
this because I'm, I'm mad. For years, years, maybe even possibly decades, I have been waiting in anticipation because I knew at some point that the great voiceover artist, uh, actress, June Foray was going to die. And she just didn't. She didn't die and she didn't die. And I was like, I was convinced June Foray was forever. June Foray, who did the voice of Rocky the Flying Squirrel and Natasha from ah. Boris and Natasha. June Foray, who if you heard her voice, like, you would instantly recognize it. She was around forever. She was the mom bear on the gummy bears. She was uh, she was in Mulan as the grandmother. She's She was around for freaking ever. She was the granny in the Looney Tunes uh, oh, yeah. cartoons with, with Tweety um, Bird. With Tweety Bird. Um, she was Cindy, little Cindy Lou Who. In, uh, in, it was no more than two. It was no more than two. Aww. And and then I find out yesterday that she died. She died in, in July of this year. And nobody, yeah. nowhere, no how, gave proper send-off to June Foray, one of the great, great voice actresses of all time. So I would like to send you off, June Foray. You Aww. have always been a hero of mine. Uh, she, was, she was 99, almost 100. Wow. And, uh, and she just... She kicked butt and she took names. So that's one, the first thing. And the second thing is I've been watching a lot of uh, Muppet Show with my kids. Mm -hmm. And uh, and you learn as you watch a lot of Muppet Show that some people are great with Muppets. And some people suck. <laughs> like, they were so uncomfortable. Like, for example, Arlo Guthrie, not comfortable. John Denver, so freaking comfortable that they kept doing, like, specials with him because he got along with the Muppets so well. And one guy who, who got along so well with them that you got the feeling that he never wanted to leave was Peter Sellers. Um, Peter Sellers, of course, uh, an actor with issues of his own, but uh, in great films like Being There and uh, Dr. Strangelove, and he would just disappear in these roles. And when he was with the Muppets, you I mean, it was so natural and so amazing to watch him um, that it was great. And, and it was, I believe... Um, our, uh, let's see, this week he's our abstract concept coordinator and voice of reason. Um, <laughs> he, he introduced, Drew Atienza, who introduced me to, uh, Peter Sellers, uh, <laughs> doing Beatles songs. Uh, that's all I can say about it. We'll include a link on, uh, on the show notes as well. But if, if you hear it, you, you can't unhear it. It's, it's amazing. I did not know this existed and my life is better for knowing it. So there you go. Excellent. All right. Cool. All right, that's all I got. Okay. Is that all you got? That's all I got. That's all we got. So cheers to the sassy son. Yep. Cheers to the sassy son. Thanks so much for listening to us, guys. Uh, I've been Betsy Bird. I'm still Kate. All right. <laughs> so far, so good. We'll see you next time. Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow Betsy on Twitter at Fuse8, that's Fuse and 8, E-I-G-H-T. Follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you are so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Givens Kime, and our abstract concepts coordinator and voice of reason is Drew Atienza. Fuse 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Ramsey and Betsy Bird and does not reflect the views of School Library Journal.